0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: Are you looking to wager on all the big games and sports? Well, man, do I have great news for you? Our partners at Bet Online, they continue to get it done with the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And hey, as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest way and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, NFL, NHL, NBA, college basketball, college football, and more. All you have to do is head on over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag, and you can join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to get your rewards. That's B L E A V. It's with Bet Online. Get started right now. It's where the game starts.
0: It's always ice cream season in Central New York, and the locally owned and operated Carvel in North Syracuse welcomes you to come in and grab their pumpkin cakes, along with a four-pack of Little Screamers. Carvel is open seven days a week, Brewerton Road, North Syracuse, America's favorite since 1934. And now, offering pumpkin spice soft serve to go along with pumpkin cakes and those four-packs of Screamers. Happy
1: Halloween! Happy Halloween!
0: What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonnette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout-out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter.
1: Back with you, the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Download, rate, review, subscribe, you name it. And you can hit me on my YouTube page. Subscribe there, Sports, and on Twitter with a follow. At Mike L. Sports. So, really fun uh, episode here. It's going to be all NFL. Um, I'm going to spend a few minutes recapping the week that was in the NFL, going back to the Turkey Day games. And then a great crossover episode with my good friend Chuck Pollock from uh, the Olean Times Herald. He's been covering the Buffalo Bills for about six decades, and we got into everything on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, pandemonium podcast style. So, you're going to hear that crossover episode after I get done with uh with these games from uh week 12 um i also am recording this during the steelers colts monday night football game because i just don't think you know this is that big of a, a game um you know even if the colts win and get to five six and one you know that that tied the texans the start the start of the year and you know just their team in general i i think it's going to be a tall order for either of these teams to climb and make the playoffs you know for as strong as the afc is um I mean, yeah, technically they're probably still in the hunt, you know, the the graphic in the hunt. They're probably still there. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll just kind of let that one go and slide. I think it'll come down to, you know, whatever team doesn't turn the ball over and, and, and whatever team runs it better than the other one, right? Jonathan Taylor versus Najee Harris uh, at this particular point. And, hey, if you're a picket or you're Ryan, you can't throw quarterback interceptions as well. Let's go back to Thursday, Thanksgiving. 28-25, Bills beat the Lions. They kicked it off with a victory. And by the way, this was the highest-rated game. Um, that This was the highest-rated early game in the history of Thanksgiving football. The Bills, again, it took them quite a bit to take out Detroit. Detroit's a feisty, uh, competitive team. Um, this is a team that does not go away. Um, you know, the Bills, you were kind of waiting for something to happen again after... The first quarter, uh, the Bills had tied it at 7, and then Allen ran it in 14-7, but then St. Brown, right, he catches the pass from Goff. It's 14-all. Then it's Tyler Bass with the field goal. Like, okay, (laughs) all right, a little bit of momentum, right? You get the ball. uh, After halftime, do nothing with it. Time keeps going back and forth, exchange possessions, and then Jared Goff gets sacked in the end zone by Ed Oliver, and at that point I thought, okay, Bills are going to get it with short field. March right down, let's put this thing away. Nope. (laughs) You know, just a spectacular punt all the way down. Bills do nothing with it. Fourth quarter comes around. Boom. Detroit drives right down. Touchdown. The Bills then score uh, a touchdown to make it 20. It was 22-19, then 25-22. The point after failed. in in amazing fashion, I actually think that the point after miss by Tyler Bass worked to the Bills' favor. Because the Lions had horrible clock management, not using timeouts, not going for it, not doing a lot of things, right? They settle for the field goal to tie it. But the problem is, if if you look at the clock at that particular point, it's 23 seconds. And in the NFL, all you need to do is go back and sling it, you know, to, to your best guy, get open, and that's exactly what Josh Allen did with Stephon Diggs. And... Uh, Allen then had two incredible runs. I thought great designs by Ken Dorsey, uh, running, um, you know, on the, on the, on the drop. And then of course, running around to the right, um, getting a little bit more yardage and then boom, 48 yards, boom, right through the uprights, Tyler Bass gets it done. Uh, excuse me, a 45 yard field goal It was a 48 yard drive on four plays over 21 seconds. And the bills just use a lot of great clock management and they climbed out with a win. And sometimes you just have to win really, really ugly. I mean, I did some positive, negative stuff with the Bills, and I still, you know, I'm concerned about their tackling. I'm concerned about the injuries. I'm concerned about the way they cover. Uh, You know, I I think the offensive inconsistencies are are a concern. And Josh Allen and his interceptions and all that, yeah, the turnovers, right? It's a concern. But, like I've said a million times, if you don't get the elite Josh Allen from the postseason last year against the Chiefs and the Patriots – and you and the next best thing is this Josh Allen where he turns it over but he then you know he shines in the fourth quarter and he goes and wins you the football game. I mean the guy the guy is simply remarkable when it matters most, right? I mean he had 78 yards on the on the ground as well and a touchdown. So he accounted for three touchdowns for the Bills. And uh let me see quick math here. 250, 320, 331 yards of total offense, right? Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, nice game in in this one, 6-for-96 in a touchdown. Uh, Diggs was Diggs, um, you know, 8-for-77 uh, in and, and a touchdown. Uh, the ground game has been pretty good. You know, Singletary uh, performed pretty well again. Um, you know, the Bills were able to really, I thought, uh, shut down, um, you know, Jamal Williams, which helped. Uh, the problem was that, you know, despite, you know, missing multiple guards and, and the Lions just kind of being, uh, you know, a decent offense, nothing to write home about. Um, hey, you know what? They were marching it down the field, down the field, down the field because the Bills had so much trouble tackling and covering people. You know, if you're not Jordan Poyer or Matt Milano, it seems like it, these guys are just not tackling really well. AJ Klein started slow in his first game back with the Bills, but he ended up finishing strong overall. You just got to win and you get out, and you're hoping that the Bills you know play elite football down the line here this year because they have not played uh, elite football in a while this season. Uh, but they did get the win, and now as we stare this weekend in the face, uh, the Bengals host the Chiefs, the 49ers host the Dolphins, the Bills go at New England on Thursday night. If the Bills can win and get two breaks, the Bills are right back in at the number one seed in the AFC. But hey, first things first, you got to win in Foxborough. Second game of Thanksgiving was a 28-20 win for the Cowboys over the Giants. I thought this was a terrific football game. Uh, it was 13-7 to at the half, leading uh, in part by the Giants here. And then the Cowboys just kind of ran away with it, 14 and then 7 points respectively. And once they got the lead, that was pretty much it, right? Because, you know, the Giants just don't, the DNA of this offense, I mean, the, the way they're built, it's just not going to get it done and it was too much Dak Prescott, it was too much Ezekiel Elliott, and it was too much CeeDee Lamb. It was the trio of Cowboy superstars. They moved a 5-1 at home, 8-3 overall, and uh, the Giants now have lost a couple games in a row. Still in good position to make the postseason, but the Cowboys really showed the Giants, hey, your little story this year has been pretty fun, but it's really about us in Philadelphia and the division and maybe in the entire NFC. Vikings, 33-26 winners over the New England Patriots, another fantastic game. But, hey, who knew? Kirk Cousins, big stage, right? Prime time against a Belichick defense. He gets 10 points for his club in the fourth quarter, and uh, they rebound and get a big-time win uh, here. I thought Mac Jones was awesome in this game, though, too. I mean, he went 28-39 for 382 and two touchdowns. You know, no interceptions. I mean, he was... That might have been the best game for Jones in a Patriot uniform. And with him playing hot, the Bills' defense, they have to have their you-know-what together. Um, You know, Ramondre Stevenson did not run in this game well, and I thought that that was a big, big problem. Um, Damian Harris is questionable going into the the game with the Bills on Thursday. He did nothing in this game as well. I just felt like the Patriots could never get the ground game going. And in the early going, I'm like, well, they, they can't run the football. They're dead, right? Well, no, because Mac Jones came out and played great. And Stevenson got involved in the pass game, and Parker got involved, um, you know, in the pass game. And um, they really, really uh, challenged Minnesota, and they forced Kirk Cousins to do damage, and he did. He threw a bad pick, but three interse- or three touchdowns for Cousins, and 30-37 for 299. Delvin Cook wasn't that great, and then Justin Jefferson just continues to show up as possibly the best receiver in the entire NFL, nine more catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. I swear to God, if I get him next year, if I have a chance to get him in fantasy next year, I'm going to do it. I think I have good receivers right now. I got DK Metcalf. I got Devontae Adams. I've got uh, a Jamar Chase, but he's hurt. Uh, I had Garrett Wilson this past week, picked him up recently because I kind of had a feeling that he was going to torch the Bears, so uh, I lucked out there. But, man, Justin Jefferson continues to be an amazing, amazing Wide receiver in this league, maybe arguably the biggest win of the week was the Cleveland Browns winning at home twenty-three to seventeen in the final game for Jacoby Brissett as a Browns starter with Deshaun Watson returning this week against the Texans. Tell you what, the Cleveland Browns, and I've said this for a long time, they have had an elite ride, and I give Brissett a lot of credit dealing, you know, weather in the storm and dealing with. All the crap and Watson and questions all the time. I mean, that's not an easy gig. He signed up for it. Uh, you know, I, I read a, a great article on, on that today um, uh, in The Athletic. Um, he knew he, what he was signing up for. But it's, again, okay, you sign up for it, but it's still hard, right? It, it's still a challenge. And, you know, they went into this game and Tampa coming off that bye week, and I'm going, okay, like, dude, show me, Tampa, show me. And they didn't show me. Five and six. Ooh, Brady was horrible. The offense, horrible. The offensive line, horrible. Um, Chris Godwin seems to be the only guy who came to play, right? And the Buccaneers' defense, you know, yeah, held them to 23 points. Okay, maybe that should be enough to most. But uh, tell you what, the Browns just kept going and going and going. They forced overtime. The Buccaneers were awful game managing and all the rest. And then the next thing you know, Amari Cooper, they just let him, I I mean, I don't know what happened on that broken coverage with the Bucs. They just misread the entire thing. And voila, the Browns take it down and uh, and they score. And uh, that's it. You know, Nick Chubb's winning TD. Thank you very much. He's on my fantasy team. And Cleveland now has some new life. I mean, at four and seven, they're getting a piece that they haven't had with this incredible roster ever. And I'm talking ever with like the new, the modern Browns, not the Browns that moved to Baltimore, this Cleveland outfit. Okay. They're getting, and I know a lot of people don't like to see him in there. I'm with you, but they're getting an elite quarterback back. I don't know how well he's going to play because he has been away from football for a while, but let's see what happens here with Deshaun Watson. He's an elite quarterback. They have an unbelievable roster in many, many areas. Amari Cooper, elite, a number one wideout, Nick Chubb, franchise running back. They've got Denzel Ward. They have Miles Garrett, who is an absolute beast. I mean, he is absolutely all over the place. I think he had, what, three sacks against uh, Brady? Let me look that up. Um, well, he had one and a half sacks, but he, he, could, he could have had five, you know, five or six. I mean, he was that, uh, you know, he was that strong in this game, and he continues to be just a major wrecker, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I really don't. I mean, we talk about Aaron Donald. We talk about T.J. Watt. You know, we talk about all these guys. Um, we talk about Micah Parsons all the time. What about talking about this guy? I mean, this guy's a major, major problem for offenses. Hell of an effort by Cincinnati. They go into Tennessee and win 20-16. to 16. T. Higgins what an elevation to make an outstanding touchdown grab. Uh, he was great in this game. Cincinnati showed resolve. They showed toughness. Their defense is getting to that form last year in Kansas City. In the AFC title game, when they came back and they had Hendrickson and Hubbard going bananas, and those linebackers are flying, and the corners are you know uh, pursuing and making it happen, that Bengals defense is really really good right now, and that's a hot team at seven and four. Watch out for Cincinnati moving forward. Miami beat the Texans thirty to fifteen. It was thirty to nothing at the half. They kind of took the the, the 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 foot off the gas a little bit. Um, Texans got six and nine points respectively in the third and fourth quarters, but it wasn't enough. Tua Viola. Great game, to uh, Tyreek Hill, six catches and 85 yards. Miami, 8-3, and 5-1 and one at home, one of the best teams in the NFL. Jets roll the Bears 31-10 to 10 behind Mike White. There's no question he should be the starter moving forward. I don't I know how at this point you even look at Zach Wilson. They should have been benched a long time before this. And uh, Mike White was awesome. He was efficient. He hit Garrett Wilson. He commanded the offense all week in practice. Um, did the Jets have something here? I don't know. But you know what? They're 7-4 and four right now, and if you were a Jets fan at the beginning of the year saying 7-4 and four with a win over Buffalo, you would, have, you would have thought, you know, somebody walked in with 20 heads, right? Um, so I'm really, really, really excited to see um, you know, how this AFC East thing plays out. There's no doubt. Commanders, 19-13 winners over the Falcons. The Commanders are hot right now. They're 7-5. They're getting a lot of really good play from every area on the football field. Not great play, not elite play. They're getting good play, just good, solid football play, right? I mean, they get a 100-yard game from Brian Robinson, right? They get McLaurin, you know, doing just enough receiving. And Tyler Heineke, he is not a great quarterback, but you can clearly see that this team really surround, you know, they, they really rise up to the challenge with him, right? And I got to tell you, I mean, I'm looking at Montez Sweat. I'm looking at these defenders up front, Jonathan Allen. These guys are absolutely just dominating the line of scrimmage. I mean, you cannot get away from Jonathan Allen. You know, he is 6'3, 310 pounds, with crazy good footwork. Montez Sweat is unbelievable 6'6, 270. And it's just, he's so agile and such a great player. They get after the quarterback, they stop the run, takes a lot of pressure off of the secondary as well. Commanders are on fire right now, man. And Ron Rivera. Has that team playing with a real edge to them. You know, a real chip to them. And uh, I tell you what, I they they should have beaten the Bucks, you know, in the playoffs when Tampa went and won the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay, I don't want to face, or uh, uh, Washington, I don't want to face them in the postseason. No way. Uh, Carolina beat Denver 23-10. to The story in this game, I mean, look, you can point to Foreman running it and more catching it, fine. But it, this Denver is so bad. I mean, they are absolutely so, so bad. And... I, I, I'm I'm just stunned by this. I didn't see this coming. I, I know Nathaniel Hackett's a bad coach. I know he shouldn't have gotten the job, but I thought Russell Wilson wasn't going to be like this. I mean, he's gone from an elite first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback to a guy who literally looks like he could barely play backup in this league. He is so bad. I know that Denver has a lot of other things going on, but Russell Wilson's not helping the case. It seems like they don't like to play with him. Um, he's kind of a drama queen. He's a fraud in public. You're right. I mean, he called out his Seahawks teammates, last year on the Dan Patrick show. You know what? This dude, he got everything he wanted and got out of town and got the contract. And now he's awful. And and a lot of this should be on him, right? If we're going to praise quarterbacks for their elite great play, okay, we got to hammer him when they're awful. And he is awful right now. Jaguars 28-27 over the Ravens and arguably the best win of the week, right, for any team. Uh, the Ravens, they <laughs> blowing leads. It came back to haunt him again. They gave up 18 points in the fourth quarter. Um, what an unbelievable drive by Trevor Lawrence showing why he is a number one pick. He was 29 to 37 for 321 and three touchdowns. Just a remarkable game. I thought he was the best player uh, on the field and, uh, you know, made that great throw to, to Jones, um, for the, uh, uh, for the two point conversion. Um, well the touchdown and two point conversion. And, uh, you know what? I was loving Doug Peterson going for it. I, I thought that that was definitely you know, the, the the right play there, and there, there might be something going on here, you know, I, I, I think there might be some, something going on with Trevor Lawrence, he's making guys better, you know, the touchdown throw to Marvin Jones, then the two-point conversion to Zay Jones, he's really making guys better, and he's starting to come on here, and it was a great, great win for the Jaguars, and a killer loss for the Ravens, in the AFC rankings. Chargers beat the Cardinals because who knows what. Both these teams stink. They have bad coaches. Chargers scored that late TD, two-point conversion to grab the win over Arizona. Justin Herbert uh, threw a bunch of balls, only had 274 yards. He did have the three touchdowns. Uh, Chargers overcame a great game by James Conner. It was just kind of like a which team was going to screw up a little bit more than the other one because they're both like that and you both can't count on them. And it was the LA Chargers uh, prevailing because Arizona stinks. Um, And I think the Chargers stink too, but they're six and five. They're not four and eight. Uh, So I guess they stink just a little bit less, right? Uh, The Raiders beat the Seahawks in just a thrilling game, 40 to 34. Josh Jacobs had an 86-yard walk-off TD, giving the Raiders the overtime win. This was the win of the year for them. This was a killer loss for the Seahawks at home. Um, You know, Jacobs had... 300-plus yards from scrimmage overall. Uh, Geno Smith, I thought, was fine in this game, I mean, for the most part, right? But, um, you know, th- th- this he did throw the one bad pick. But th- this came down for me to Josh Jacobs dominating and Kenneth Walker never got going for Seattle, right? I mean, never got going. I mean, they gave him, what, 14 carries in this game? He just never got going. You know, they, they stymied him, and then the Seahawks tried to change things up. They didn't go to him a ton after that. Um, you know, I mean he's a guy who should probably be getting twenty carries a game. Maybe he gets six more and he still gets stopped, I don't know. But um really seemed to me that they should have given the ball to him a little bit more, maybe worked him into more screens or whatever, but um, you know, couldn't get going on the ground. And I think that really hurt the Seahawks in that game. Chiefs 26-10, it was just a really physical game for Kansas City, a team that we know as a finesse club, they played more physical. Then the Rams, they won at home. They're 5-1 there. They're 9-2 overall. I think they're the best team in the NFL. Mahomes, insane. Pacheco, good. Kelsey, good to great. I mean, I don't know how you stop them. I've said it for a long time. I know that they choked away last year's game against Cincinnati. I know that they, um, you know, have have won one Super Bowl and lost one Super Bowl. I, I get all that, but they're still, to me, the trademark franchise in the NFL They've, they've been the one that everybody's chasing, should be modeling after. Um, you know, everybody's been trying to find the next Patrick Mahomes. I think some of the bad teams now are hoping that maybe they can get Caleb Williams and go from there uh, from USC. But this is just, you know, an, an unbelievable uh, juggernaut as far as an offense goes. And every week, their defense, I said this six, seven weeks ago, I'm still saying it, their defense gets better every game. 49ers beat the Saints 13 to nothing in kind of a backyard fist fight. Uh, this just came down to. Um, you know holding down the fort for the Niners, and that defense is just they have so many dudes Saints couldn't do anything um great catch by Jennings uh, he secured that tip ball for the 49ers Td that was a play of the game no question about it but the thing is is that when you have Andy Dalton at quarterback you're not going to beat the 49ers come on I mean Andy Dalton's pretty much done and when you have Fred Warner on defense when you have Nick Bosa on defense when you, when you have ball hawkers all over the place. I mean, that defense is elite, and they shut down the Saints. I mean, they shut them down like no tomorrow. Rushing yards, I mean, come on. They only had 63, the Saints. Taysom Hill and Kamara had 13 apiece. Andy Dalton was your leading rusher. You can't have that happening, right? The 49ers absolutely suffocated the New Orleans Saints and won at the line of scrimmage, and right now, I think they're the most dangerous team in the NFC. I really do. Eagles are the best team in the NFC, but I don't think they're as dangerous as San Fran right now, Um, and they beat the Packers in in really a thrilling game. I mean, Jalen Hurts probably kind of reintroduced himself as the lead MVP candidate. Um, You know, he was was really good on the ground and through the air, Um, 157 yards rushing, and he had 153 yards and two touchdowns through the air on 16 of 28 throwing. Um, Aaron Rodgers got hurt in this game with the oblique. Jordan Love goes in. He nearly brought him back. I thought, you know, another just sensational game from uh, the youngster, uh, the rookie Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. I mean, this guy is so fast. I love his physique. I love his physical ability, 6'5", 210. The guy can just go up and get it. He can run any route. He can run away from you. But it just wasn't enough for Green Bay in this game. They fall to 4-8. Their season's basically definitively over. And the Eagles move to 10-1 and 5-1 and and at home. And I'm going to hand out my game ball now. My Week 12 game ball. I'm going to give it to Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to give it to Trevor Lawrence for his great performance, that final drive. By the way, amazing, wasn't it, that the Ravens got the ball back and then they got to midfield somehow and Justin Tucker missed a, what, a 60-plus-yard field goal by, like, a couple of feet. So the Ravens still almost pulled that game out. But it was it was great, great throws, moxie, poison, all the rest by this guy Trevor Lawrence showing a ton in this football game. And uh, look, Jacksonville, I, they still think they have something, and, and I think that they're right. And, you know, it's it, a big difference is, you know, the coach, right? I mean, the coach is the big difference. So uh, kudos to the Jags. Kudos to Trevor Lawrence, 29-37 for 321 yards and three touchdowns. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Welch & Company Jewelers, Rosie's Corner, Bruton Ace Hardware, and Burn Dairy. Make sure you go get your uh, car gassed up today at Burn Dairy. Participating locations across central New York if you're in and around the area. They've also got the unbelievable pizza. They've got the terrific subs. They have unbelievable chocolate milk and donuts and coffee to bring into work on your way in. Stop by Burn Dairy for all of that and more a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And a quick tip of the cap thank you as well to Friends of the Platter, Daryl Aber, Bob Lindsley, the Alonzo family, and the Swan and Whitaker families. Coming up next, as promised in the beginning of the show, hey, we're going to have a crossover episode with Chuck Pollock from the Olean Times Herald, the longtime Buffalo Bills beatman and insider from the built in Buffalo Podcast Network, the Panamonium Podcast with Chuck Pollock talking all things Buffalo Bills during Patriots Week here on The Platter.
0: It is bedlam! It is pandemonium! It is pandemonium! It is...
1: It's your boy, DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Bill to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? Mike Lindsley back with you. It is indeed Patriots week, and the Thursday night game, man, they come up fast, don't they? It's, It's technically a, I guess... Regular week, right? But yet it's short week on the normal calendar because it is playing. You know the game's played on Thursday, um, even though the Bills have had a full week to rest. And, and boy, do they need it! Uh, and as I record this, you know, look, there's been a lot of movement in practice. I mean, Greg Rousseau's gotten some reps. Tremaine Edmonds has gotten some reps. Uh, I'm recording this, uh, you know, just hearing the news of, of all that. John Brown is now back. I'll get to that a little bit later. But let's waste no time on, here on the Panamonium podcast. Uh, on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you follow, subscribe, download, rate, review all of our channels, social media, com is your source for Bills content seven days a week. Let's waste no time. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Let's bring him in. Chuck Pollock, beat man and insider for the Olean Times-Herald. He's been covering the Buffalo Bills for, oh, I don't know, five or six decades. Uh, one of the best in the business. Let's hear from Chuck Pollock right now. Chuck, thank you, buddy. How are you? Hey, Michael, it's uh, kind of my favorite time of the year. Bonnies are playing, Bills are
0: playing, a lot of stuff to write about.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It is uh, exciting for sure. The Bonnies playing well with that win over Notre Dame. And the Bills are kind of in an interesting spot right now. I mean, where do you – how do you feel about this team, right? Because we've seen 6-1. and one. We've seen losses to the Jets and Vikings. We've seen them barely get by Cleveland, barely get by the Lions, the crazy travel schedule, the crazy schedule overall, injuries galore – uh, there, there's a lot of good, there's a little bit of bad, there's some stuff in between. Josh Allen's the ultimate roller coaster. Where do you land on the Bills right now as they head into this game against New England?
0: Well, uh, I'd say, Mike, I'm not sure they even win the division. They're in a really murky spot. They're 0-2, as you know. They're already behind the Dolphins, even though the records are the same because of that That really punitive loss to the Dolphins down there. That really is coming back to bite them. And now they've, you know, it's not the league's fault, although we tend to blame the NFL for everything, and, and, and most of it is deserved. But in this case, they didn't plan the Bills to play three straight road games in a span of 12 days. That, that hurts. But clearly the Snow in Orchard Park moved the game to Detroit, but it's a grueling, grueling stretch, which ends Thursday night in uh, in in Foxborough. But the Patriots, just when you kind of want to write them off, you all of a sudden realize, geez, they're 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 kind of right there. So the Bills, the Bills are favored by right now. The last thing I checked today, they were favored by five and a half, which I think is about right. But there are no guarantees. Now, as you know, and you already alluded to this guy. Um, Josh Allen, in my mind, is not even close to 100%. I would say maybe 75 And a guy who knows quarterbacking said to me the other day, you know, he really is still effective when he can throw over the top. But when he drops down sidearm, it puts a different stress on his elbow and where he's less accurate. And just when you're thinking, my, they're going to lose this game to Detroit, what ends up happening, he throws a, a missile 36 yards to Stefan Diggs to help set up the winning field goal. So he has those throws in him, but he doesn't make them all the time. And I think in some ways yeah, he's very wary of the fact that he's thrown so many red zone interceptions. And the one on Sunday, or I'm sorry, on Thursday, was uh, really kind of not – It was his fault it was a tip ball but he really he's one of those guys who's so super confident he thinks he can thread a ball anywhere and that's kind of bitten him as you know there there's that one stretch where they went three straight second halves did not score a touchdown and he threw four picks yep. in the red zone in that span so I, I just don't feel like he's quite He's quite where he needs to be. But the other things are factors, including Von Miller's absence. Our understanding is that Mitch Morris, the center, will be back. But this isn't a good – you don't have a really good vibe when your quarterback is kind of struggling coming over an injury. And this team has had a lot of injuries, especially on defense.
1: So one thing I have been encouraged by and impressed by – is while Josh Allen has gone through some of these struggles, the Bills have won the close games. And we how many times have we heard that narrative about they can either blow people out or not, you know, Colin Coward, people like that alluding to, well, they're Mike Tyson. They either punch you out right away or 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 they can't win a close, a close bout, a close match. Um so they've won those close games. And part of that has been the ground game, Chuck. I mean, they they've been able to run the football to kind of I mean, look—you want Josh Allen. You're, 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 you want him to be vintage Josh Allen, and he has been in some of those spots in the fourth quarter uh, to make up for the mistakes that you alluded to. But the ground game is s- still an important thing, especially as we move into December and January. Have you been as impressed as me with the ground game? The fact that hey, if Allen struggles, they can kind of go to that, and and that's a nice little security blanket. Well, it would be.
0: Mike, but I guess I don't agree with you because so much of the ground success is Josh's legs, you know, still the the reality is in eight of 11 games, he's been the leading rusher and I've got to say, um, he's a fearless guy. He's a big guy. He's a strong guy, but he's also fearless and fearless can sometimes translate to dangerous risk. And so he He's done so much there. I mean, really, after the completion to Stephon Diggs, he does two runs that puts him in range for Tyler Bass to kick the winner. I, I, I'm vexed by Devin Singletary because you're absolutely right. He has times where he's looked tough. And what I've really liked about him, because I'm not totally down in the running game, he is very good at protecting the ball. He, If you remember early in the season – Uh, he had a fumble or two and that's a that's a good way to get on the bad side of a coach but he's been good about that and he's he's turned out to be a more dependable receiver than we might have thought at the beginning of the season the other encouraging thing to your point though is that James Cook is finally progressing there was a time i thought man this guy could be a wasted second round draft choice if he's not going to contribute and that's the one spot running back where a player can get plugged in pretty much right away and succeed in the nfl and i thought "Uh uh-oh but he's certainly come around but what i do see is improvement in the running game but to me as far as i'm concerned mark mike I, i I just don't think they're there
1: until they don't have to rely on Josh's legs to really give it some juice. Fair point. Chuck Pollock with us, Only in Times Herald here on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network, Pandemonium Podcast. I'm Mike Lindsley. Um, you know, the defense, it's just, I mean, the whole roster has been ravaged, obviously, by injury. Uh, but the defense, really especially, just recently, Von Miller had a scare on Thanksgiving. He posted on his Instagram two weeks, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see there. But if you had to guess, how much time do you think he'll miss?
0: I think I think two weeks at a minimum. this is another guy who's a really high motor guy and to the bills' credit, you know, you can say they spend so much money on him. he better be in there virtually every snap. Well, he's not. They really rest him. They spot him. He's the guy they want in at the end when they need a pass rush. And he's done exactly his job. He leads the team in sacks. And, uh, but an knee is an E. And mm-hmm. it's not an ACL, which is good. It's a lateral meniscus. And I'm told that that's less troublesome than clearly an ACL, as we've seen with Travis White. But uh, he's already out this week. I think there's a real question that Sean McDermott is asking himself is, should we think about keeping him out of the lineup the following Sunday against the Jets and make sure he's healthy to play against the Dolphins, which in my mind would be a good risk to take because that team has become really worrisome we all of a sudden don't look at the Dolphins the same way we did when the season began. You could argue that Tua is the leading candidate for MVP, and that was supposed to be Josh's role, but Tua has been playing so magnificently, and he's got guys who can go get it. So I wonder if maybe, maybe two weeks would be about about right if if he can kind of speed heal because Vaughn is important and needless to say marvel Levy used to say that you know leadership in the locker room don't even talk to me about that and his reference was to the fact that hey if you're going to be a leader you know what's going to lead the players it's going to be how you do on the field then they're going to listen to you in the locker room and clearly already Vaughn has established that 11 games into the season so um I think it'd be nice to have him ready for the Dolphins even if it means him skipping the Jets. And you know, who's to say maybe Mike White was an aberration yesterday but boy he sure looked super.
1: Yeah, he did. No doubt. AJ Epinesa, Greg Russo practiced uh today as we record this. I'm encouraged that they're going to play on Thursday. Are you?
0: I uh, I would think so. I I think there's a sense of there's a sense of desperation because you know you you have Russo out, Epinesa out, and then Vaughn goes out, and you're playing on Thanksgiving Day with your last three of six defensive ends, and it didn't come back and bite him, but it took a dramatic finish for him to pull that game out. But certainly, getting Russo on the field, he's not he's not contributed a zillion sacks, but he's got five, and he's been he's been good at pressuring. So what's really impressed me, and I know you kind of alluded to this already, Mike, but the tackles have really helped out with being undermanned at end. I, I, for the first two years, I was convinced that Ed Oliver was a
1: bust. I agree.
0: And then last year, he started to come on. And on Thanksgiving, he was a one-man wrecking crew. I was really impressed. In fact, when I summarized the game, I, I said, hey, an apology for me. This guy is who they thought he was. It just took him a while to evolve, but he played a super, super game. Daquan Jones was a very smart free agent signing because he's played well. So they've gotten some help on the line, and as, as you know, one thing they do, uh, probably as effectively as any team in the league, they rotate their defensive line and keep those guys pretty
1: fresh. So they serve those guys well. Okay. How the AFC playoff picture, and and you kind of hit quite a bit of it uh, a couple minutes ago, you know, Miami's up there, Kansas City's the top team. I think they're actually probably the best team in the NFL. I I might go Chiefs, Eagles, um, you know, and then maybe maybe even Dolphins and uh, maybe the Bills are in the top five, maybe they're not. But this playoff picture, if we go to the end of the year and the Bills don't secure the number one seed, and win the division and have everything go through Orchard Park and get the bye. What what loss do you think is going to be the 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 biggest one, the the most costly one? Because last year we asked kind of that same question when they lost to Jacksonville and they lost, you know, that ugly game at uh, home to New England. Uh, they lost at the one yard line to Tennessee. What what loss this year could come back and bite them the most in terms of that overall playoff picture? Miami, Miami, yeah. no okay. no question in my mind, Mike, because. That
0: is why they're not first in the division now. Now, I realize they get a second shot, but they're also going to be seeing an even better team than they saw in Miami. And that's a, that's a game they let get away, admittedly. But they stole one back from Baltimore the next week. So I, I kind of see it as evening out. But record-wise in the division, it that is substantial because the whole idea was you wanted to have home games throughout the playoffs. Well... If, if the standings stay where they're tied, the, the Bills and Dolphins, the Bills aren't going to have even one home game. Right. So, well, I mean, unless you had some bizarre circumstance once the playoffs started, but that would still mean you have to win on the road and, and there's some other fascinations involved. So to me, by far, that is the most punitive loss because that's the reason right now they're in second place in the division.
1: Last one for you. John Brown is back. uh You know, the Bills, they've really struggled, I think, up until Thanksgiving with the slot position. Uh, McKenzie had a nice game finally, but he's struggled up until that point. You know, Crowder's out for the year. Uh, Khalil Shakir just hasn't been ready. Um, Maybe John Brown comes in, and he's a little bit of both out of the boundary. Maybe he's a little bit of the slot. What do you make of Brown coming back to the Bills?
0: I thought it was a good good move on their part because – He's a guy who knows the offense. And, you know, they've had pretty good luck, Mike, with guys coming back. You know, you had Phillips come back. And you have A.J. Klein Klein come back, which tells you that they had, well, obviously they want to be playing for somebody, but still, it tells you they had a good experience there and they understood the machinations of contracts and the whole business. So I think that kind of helps. I I, kind of have a... I kinda of have a love hate affair with the Bills number two. I, I don't know what to make of Davis at times. Yeah. Gabe looks all world at times and at other times he's just another guy. And I can't I can't figure it out. What we do know about John Brown is he'll stretch the field for you. And that's even even Stefan Diggs, you know, Stefan has good speed but he doesn't have high end speed like a like a John Brown type guy does. And so I think that kind of enhances what they could do in the. They're not gonna. They're not gonna bench Gabe or anything. But if you can teach John to play in the slot, that would be interesting. I, I, I also have a love hate affair with with McKenzie. I, there are just times he looks absolutely fantastic, and on the run he's pretty good. But it's he's it, it kind of strikes me as a guy who's a self promoter and. So every time he gets on his hands on the ball, he wants to kind of make a name for himself. And that hasn't always worked out for the best, as you pointed out, especially earlier in the year, where if you looked at the message boards, people are saying, this, well, this guy's got to go. But, you know, clearly they do care about him. They like him. And, and uh, Dayball, in particular, last year, really tried to find ways to involve him in the offense. So, uh they're 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 kind of sticking with him, but I think a guy like John Brown would give a different perspective. Of course, you know the one thing he does—he's giving you a deep threat. The question is—is is Josh's arm up to that on a persistent basis, basis, rather than the occasional long ball? That will be interesting to see.
1: Buffalo Bills beat man and insider for the Olean Times Herald. My good pal Chuck Pollitt. Chuck, it was great seeing you a couple of months ago at the stadium for Monday Night Football. Uh, for that Tennessee game. Uh, always enjoy our visits. We got a chance to see each other actually back to back months because I saw you in Niagara Falls celebrating my dear friend Bill Hoppy's wedding. So uh really has been uh, terrific to catch up with you on the show, but of course in person, face to face as well, which is what I like the most. So thanks uh, for all that. Thanks for the friendship. Thanks for coming on. And uh, let's see what the Bills do the rest of the way, man. Thank you. Be well, my friend. Take care. All right. Two quick things to end the podcast, okay? Uh, the first of which is. John Brown. And I brought up that John Brown is back to the bills with Chuck because I wanted to piggyback off of what he said and also kind of, you know, give my, my two cents here. I, I'm in agreement with him that he's, you know, that it's a good thing that he's back um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, Chuck alluded to it. Like they have success with the boomerang guys coming back, right? Like AJ Klein, slow start against the lions, but then made some unbelievable plays, great tackles, uh, stuffing on, on third down uh, pun intended, um, you know, Several lions were 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 stopped uh, in their tracks by Klein. Uh, he got better as the game went on. Um, you know, and they had just picked him up off the freaking street just a couple days before, right? So, uh, Klein showing immediate success, right? Um, and I know he, look, he knows the system. He knows Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, blah, blah, blah. But this exact group of guys, again, it's it's a new overall total one-by-one one group of guys, right? I mean, yeah, sure, he's played with multiple players on that defense, but he hasn't played with Kyrie Illum. He hasn't played with, you know, Christian Benford. I mean, it's a puzzle, man. It's a whole big puzzle, right? And so, um, you know, it was encouraging to see him improve as the game went on. Uh, Jordan Phillips has been outstanding that year. Shaq Lawson has really come on. Um, so the Bills have success with the boomerang situation. So that's number one, gives you confidence there. Smoke Brown also, I think the Bills, maybe when he was in a Buffalo uniform before, um, you know, he, he had some, some real moments downfield where you're like, wow, like, this guy is the burner. Uh, he's going to completely and utterly change everything and anything, um, you know, with, within, with this offense. And, you know, I, things just kind of fell apart. The injury thing didn't help. Uh, he did have that one, uh, you know, 1,000-yard season in 2019. I mean, he was great uh, with six touchdowns. Um, you know, but then really uh, fell off, you know, got hurt, nine games played, uh, and, and that was it I mean it was it was a two-year deal uh, two two years in Buffalo type of deal for him the bills move on and and that was that right and then of course he goes to Denver doesn't really work out plays two games plays two games in Jacksonville and and hasn't suited up since so um, I, I like the move because I think again a lot of times it's about where you're playing and and the atmosphere around you and the coaching and your teammates and the talent you um, Maybe he is kind of a plug-and-play guy here, right? And while he was a big-time boundary, like go way down the field, and let's just play backyard football before, I think maybe he's going to have a little bit of a different role because of the slot position being such a weakness for the Bills, which I thought this year was going to be a strength, and I thought it was going to be deep because I thought Khalil Shakir was going to give him something as a rookie. I thought Jamison Crowder had the potential to dominate, and old friend Isaiah McKenzie was back. And I thought that that position was going to be not a worry. And it's turned into a little bit of a worry. Um, You know, McKenzie, again, with that great game on Thanksgiving. But, um, you know, they need to incorporate him more into the jet sweeps and some of the tricky Bill stuff from the Brian Dable offense, I think. I mean, I think when Isaiah McKenzie is uh, in there and he's active and he's getting those jet sweeps, um, you know, again, he's got to hang on to the football with, with the throws from Josh Allen. But nobody's gotten more of those throws from Josh Allen than McKenzie And the jet sweeps and his speed really do make a big difference. So uh, that's a great thing. But I think John Brown can be used in that role, Uh, you know, the slot position type of a thing. Um, Maybe take some pressure off of Diggs, take some pressure off of uh, Davis if he comes out strong. Maybe even John Brown sets the tone over the middle, and then it opens up things for the other guys. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they utilize John Brown. Um, We have a game. We have a game. Right Tomorrow night it is Buffalo at New England. Um, this game, I don't know if I want to say I'm nervous or worried about it, but I am slightly concerned because I could see the bills go in and win, and yeah, you know, they could win close, they could win handily. I could also see them going in and losing this football game. And if they were to lose this football game, I think some things would be absolutely in danger, right. I mean the number 1 seed by that point could be completely out of the picture. The division could be completely out of the picture, okay? I realize that Miami, you know, they still have, you know, some tough games remaining, including this week against the 49ers, which in a perfect world what the Bills need to happen this week is they need to beat New England, somehow some way get through the damn game. Then you bring in some AFC East rivals in, into your home stadium, right? into your backyard, you sleep in your bed every night, 1 o'clock starts on Sunday, right? Our, my favorite time to watch the Bills is 1 o'clock on Sunday. Dolphins are at the 49ers this weekend, and the Chiefs have got to go to an all of a sudden, a suddenly hot Bengals team that is seven and 7-4 that just went in and beat Tennessee in a backyard fistfight. So if the Bills can somehow get a couple of breaks here, let's say that you know the Niners win and the Bengals win and the Bills win, the Bills are now nine and three, and they are they're firmly back into the number one seed because they would have the uh, tiebreaker. Uh, they would have the tiebreaker over obviously Miami, and the Dolphins would fall the eight. Uh, excuse me, over the Chiefs. Over the Chiefs, the Chiefs would fall the nine and three. The Bills would also be nine and three, but they would have the break over them. The Dolphins have the tiebreak, but they wouldn't have as good of a record, so the Bills would be ahead of them. Uh, The Ravens have come back. The Titans have come back. But this is such a huge game for the Bills. Because they lost, as Chuck alluded to, to Miami, and because they lost to the Jets and Vikings, which we hit on, this team right now has three losses when really one or two would probably be something that most people predicted, right? But because they lost those games in the manner that they did, the Bills now find themselves having to catch up a little bit. Now, weird things happen in the NFL. You can go through a stretch of a a game or two. Not a lot happens, you know, for you. Other teams are way better. People give up on you. Then all of a sudden you have a three- to five-game stretch where you're world beaters again, and you're right back up there like Cincinnati is right now. So, you know, it's the ebbs and flows, the roller coaster of emotion in the NFL season, you know, week to week. I am going to pick the Bills in this game. I, I think they win the game. Um, but I think it's going to be a tough, hard-nosed you know, game. And I, I think it starts, obviously, with the Bills' game plan being the same as it was against Detroit and against the Cleveland Browns, uh, both of those games being played in Detroit. And that is, hey, stop the run, right? New England can really, really run the football. We know that they have one of the best coaches of all time at Bill Belichick. And I'm looking at this game, and I'm going, you know what? Like, If you stop the run, you're going to have a great chance to win. Great chance to win. Now, New England looked pretty good offensively against Minnesota, but I think the Bills defense, even though they lost to Minnesota, I think they're better than the Vikings defense. I think they're gonna get some reinforcements, right? You're gonna get Epinesa back, you're going to get Rousseau back, probably. Um, you know, quite possibly you're going to get uh well, yeah. Edmond Edmonds and Rousseau. Edmonds, Russo, and Epinesa, the three guys that you should be getting back. Um, you know, but but listen. They the bills still have Josh Allen. I, I don't care about all these interceptions. I, you know, I do care, but I don't think that it's like the world is ending. Is what I'm trying to say. They still have Josh Allen, and so I I did a video on this last week. Josh Allen, when he's playing at the elite elite level that we saw him last year in the playoffs against the Chiefs and the Patriots. Okay, he is arguably, or no argument, the best quarterback in the NFL when he's throwing it a little bit of the sidearm and he's doing the sugar high Josh stuff and he's trying to do too much and not throwing it away and running out of the pocket and not sliding and taking unnecessary hits and fumbling the ball and all that sort of stuff, Um, you get frustrated and then you also see the throw that he makes to Stephon Diggs in the fourth quarter against Detroit and you're like, what? And he is playing about 70, 75% right now. So, if you're not going to get the elite Josh Allen, like elite, elite, best quarterback in the NFL, the next step down is the the way he's playing right now. It's riding the roller coaster. If you're okay with an interception or two, you know, if you're okay with a pick and a fumble, with him just devouring the defense in the fourth quarter and making ridiculous, ridiculous rope throws to get your team into winning position and to eventually get that victory... uh gosh, it's kind of hard not to sign up for that as well, right? I mean, as long as you're winning the games. And so there's still a lot of that Josh Allen in him uh, the rest of this year, even with the elbow trouble. Um, You know, I I think if the Bills can slow down the Patriots ground game, you know, Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson is a horse, um, really tough to bring down. We know that he's torched the Bills in the past, Um, you know, and and then they go with, you know, a a little bit of Harris, uh, you know, as well uh this patriot team if they're going to be able to run the football and they 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 can get a turnover too this game is going to be a very 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 long uh evening for bills fans because it's going to just be really tough to you know kind of kind of get you know a a win that you feel really really good about uh maybe even a you know a, a blowout uh type win um, which I think all of us would love right now. I mean, I'd love to go back to a couple blowouts for the Bills because then, you know, you can rest guys a little bit more. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, he Damian Harris is questionable for Thursday night. Um, you know, he he only had five carries for 16 yards against the Vikings. Um, really hasn't been 100% all the way healthy since probably, I think, September. You know, when he had, like, three straight pretty solid games Um you know, he's really not as much of a threat as, as he used to be. Uh, but Stevenson is a key. Listen, if the Bills can shut down the run, uh, you know, and, and make Mac Jones beat him, I, I like the Bills a lot in this game. It's going to come down to the same stuff that we've talked about every single week, basically, right? Bills are playing an inferior opponent, but they're on the road. It's Belichick. So limit turnovers, right? Fundamentals, be smart. Let, you know, less penalties, right? All that kind of stuff. Like, don't do the stupid things to allow New England to hang in, hang in, hang in, and and have, you know, more of an advantage than they should, right? Go out, take care of business. Um, You know, red zone scoring is going to be big, right? I think the Bills having an early lead is big because it's going to, you know, make Mac Jones try to throw the football a lot. So uh, I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm going to go with them close. I think this game is in the 20s. Give me the Bills 23-20. to Over the New England Patriots. Big time thanks to Chuck Pollock, Olean Times-Herald, Bills, Beatman, and Insider. I'm Mike Lindsley, your host of the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. And, of course, get us on all the social media channels and visit BuiltInBuffaloNews.com. Seven days a week of Bills content with our group. Really love these guys. Uh, You know, it's audio, it's video, it's the articles, it's everything you could possibly imagine. And uh, we're trying to bring it to you every